Welcome, friend. I hope you're well. You're listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast, where I regale you with stories of all things paranormal. Now, whether these stories come from my listeners, my own personal and family experience, or fictional stories from my own imagination, all stories you'll hear here are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. If you're listening on a rating-supported platform, like Apple iTunes, a five-star review would be very much appreciated. If you have a scary story of your own, reach out at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. And share your story with me. You might even hear it on a future episode. Now, sit back, relax, and spend a moment or two here in my world. I'm Mr. X, and welcome to my dreams. This episode is a part of a series of my older recordings I did for the Mr. X Dreams YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version, please excuse references to YouTube and subscribers and things like that. Consider it a relic of the past. If you're the type to prefer visuals along with your stories, I usually put artwork and motion graphics to go along with the experience. You can find those videos over at youtube.com by searching Mr. X Dreams. We'll talk again soon. Dear Mr. X, my name is Joseph. Just so you know, I'm not one who believes in psychics or horoscopes or anything like that. I think it's all nonsense. I don't know if that's exactly relevant, but I guess I'm just trying to explain that I don't believe in any spooky stuff you see on TV. That being said, something that happened to me on a particular ride I had with Uber was insane. Long story short, I was out late one night with a friend of mine who sort of split off to do his own thing. I could tell he had no intentions of slowing down and would be dancing the night away, probably on into the morning, so I decided to arrange for an exit for myself. I occasionally drive for Uber, so I'm pretty comfortable with the service. I decided to use the app to get home. I put my address into the phone and ordered a ride. I was a bit surprised when the app showed the profile picture of a woman coming to pick me up. You just don't see a lot of female drivers late night in LA, that's all. A black Nissan Sentra pulled up a few minutes later. I checked the license plate against what the app said and it matched. I walked over and popped the rear passenger side door open, crouching to get inside. I was exhausted, but mustered my happiest, most vibrant hello I could. I understand how nice it is to feel appreciated as a driver, especially when it's nearly 1am. For whatever reason, all I got back was dead silence. After a few minutes of cold shoulder, I decided to pull out my phone and play my little casino games on there. You know that feeling when you just know somebody's staring at you? I kept getting it. I looked up from my phone to see the woman staring at me through the rearview mirror, but something was wrong with her eyes. They seemed like there wasn't a hint of life in them. I figured maybe this was her last ride for the night. Maybe it's been a long day for the poor girl. Still, her eyes were extremely unsettling and every time I glanced up, she was staring back at me. It was so odd looking that I wondered if I needed contact lenses or something. It was just off. It's important for me to note that my dad had passed away only a few months prior to this from stomach cancer. I always looked up to him and felt this burning need for his approval. 
even more so because I'm also Middle Eastern and gay as well. I just felt like I had a lot to prove. I don't know if I was thinking about my dad or not at that moment, but the dead-eyed driver woman suddenly cut into the dense quiet in the car. He's proud of you, she said, her voice somehow even creepier than her soulless eyes. What? I answered. Your father wants you to know he's proud of you, she replied. I saw her eyes turn back to the road and she didn't look at me or say anything again for the rest of the ride. I just sat there, too shocked to say a word in response. When we got to my place, she drove away without a single gesture of acknowledgement. I stood on the curb, still bewildered as she drove into the night. I never saw her again. What makes this story even stranger is that when I went into the Uber app to write a review, I found no record of her or the ride. I contacted Uber and they said that they had no record of me requesting a ride either. I thought maybe I was mistaken and perhaps I had used some other ride-sharing app, so I checked my credit card. The only charges from that day were the various bars I'd gone to with my friend. I remember seeing the license plate number in my phone. She couldn't have known my address without that either because I never told her anywhere but in the app itself. Also, she wasn't anyone that I recognized or knew from anywhere else. So now I'm basically just left to wonder, who took me home that night? Hello Mr. X, it's Gabriel. I wanted to tell you about another story that happened to a relative of mine in Costa Rica. Ernesto, my cousin, is a taxi driver. He usually drives during the evenings, but one day he decided to help out a friend and get a little bit of extra pay by covering a late-night shift. On his way home, he came across a woman dressed in black, standing on the side of the road and waving him down. He only knew it was a woman due to her small and delicate-looking frame. Her face and hair were covered by some sort of garment. Ernesto didn't feel right just blowing by the lady on the side of the road, so he rolled down his window and stopped next to her. She approached the car and bent down, but he still couldn't seem to get a good look at her. He explained to the woman that, he was done for the night and going out of service. His conscience weighing on him, he decided to ask which direction she was headed. She told him she lived near the cemetery, which happened to be on his way home. Fair enough, he thought. He asked her to hop into the front passenger seat and he would take her home. She politely refused but made her way to the back seat, opening the door and sliding in. As he was driving, Ernesto began to feel a bit uneasy about not seeing the woman's face. Though she had spoken to him briefly negotiating her entry into the cab, she had become eerily silent once she got in. He would try to get a better look at her face by peeking at the rearview mirror, but she would turn away immediately whenever he glanced up. She raised a hand to adjust her face covering, and he realized that she was also wearing black gloves. He couldn't see any part of her body at all. He made several attempts at conversation, but the woman just sat there. Night was in full effect, and it was pitch black when he got closer to the cemetery. The woman's voice rang out, almost startling him a bit. She wanted him to let her out not around the cemetery, but at the cemetery. Figuring she was just trying to visit someone, he tried telling her that the cemetery wasn't open at night, but she insisted she be let out there. Against his better judgment, Ernesto decided to stop in front of the cemetery gates, 
figuring that once she saw that they were locked, she would come back in and let him take her home. With chills crawling up his spine, he pulled over in front of the gates and unlocked his doors. The lady reached forward and took hold of his hand. She placed three gold coins in his palm before shuffling over and out of the door. Confused, Ernesto watched on as she walked toward the gate. He noticed that she didn't seem to have any intentions of turning around. It took his brain a couple of seconds to process it when, before his very eyes, the woman vanished into thin air in front of the locked gate. He slammed his foot on the gas and threw the gold coins out the open window and onto the dirt in front of the cemetery, speeding all the way home. The next morning, he tried telling his friends about the encounter, who, of course, didn't believe him. He took them to the cemetery to try to find the coins as vindication of his claim, but they were nowhere to be found. Whether you believe this story is up to you, but as you well know, I've had enough crazy stuff happen to me in Costa Rica to take this seriously. Thanks for listening, my friend. Gabriel. Greetings, my friends. So, I hope you enjoyed these two very interesting, oddly parallel stories. I first got that story about the Uber driver quite a while ago. It's been sitting around in my, uh, in my archives for a long time. But um, as I was searching for something to put together for an upload in my sort of old school style, because I, I know a lot of you like that, and uh, here we are. So when I was writing up the story from Joseph, it made me remember, wait a minute, there was another story uh, that my friend Gabriel told me about, about uh, some, a relative of his that lives in Costa Rica. And if you don't recall, Gabriel was the one that told me about the, his encounter with a hellhound called El Cadejo and La Llorona over there, that both of those stories happened in Costa Rica with him and his brother, and it's, uh, to some extent, his family. So, he's a good friend of mine, so I called him up and wanted him to refresh my memory about this story regarding uh, who I'll call his cousin. It was kind of a more complicated relationship than that, but I said cousin just to make it simpler. And he told me the story of this man who was a taxi cab driver, driver and uh, had the experience that we just talked about. And immediately I knew that these two stories belonged together. So it really made me think. In the first story with Joseph, he is a passenger in a, a hired ride situation. So he's, he's the passenger of a, of a cab, even though it's Uber, similar to a cab. And in Ernesto's situation, he's the cab driver and the fare in the back is the weird element, the weird, bizarre, paranormal element. And it made me wonder, which of these would I prefer to be? And I pass that question on to you. If you had to be in a situation like this, would you rather be the driver? Because think about it. If you're the driver, you're in control of the vehicle, but there's someone right behind you who is extremely questionable and uh, even scary. Someone who has or may have abilities beyond your comprehension and intentions that you cannot predict or appropriately react to if you, uh, if need be, if something was to go down or go really, really wrong. So if you are the fairy and, and the person driving you is the weird paranormal creature or entity, then you are not in control of the vehicle and you may or may not be able to get out if you wanted to. 
maybe they have the door locked and you can't escape. Or you know, I'd like to think that there's some type of uh, emergency way to get out of the back of a cab. I don't really take cabs very often. Whenever somebody's in trouble in a cab in movies, the door is inexplicably locked, even though most times in real life it doesn't work that way. But say you're driving 50 miles an hour, it doesn't matter whether the door is locked or not, you can't get out unless you just decide to throw caution to the wind and tuck and roll and, and just get out of there. So what would you prefer? Would you rather be in the front seat or the back seat of a haunted cab or Uber? That's the question of the night, I guess. Also, I want to know, would you keep the gold coins? I personally, um, first of all, I personally would be, uh, I think I'd rather be the driver because I could probably run, go pull the car over and just get out and start putting as much distance between myself and the uh, creepy character as possible. I would not, uh, I weigh way too much and uh, my body is way too long to be hurling myself out of a moving vehicle and expect not to get my neck and back broken. So that's not going to be an option for me. I'd rather be the driver, but I'd like to know what you guys think. Also, would you keep those gold coins? And uh, what would you do with them? Because on one hand, it's gold coins. On the other hand, they were given to you by a ghost. So I don't know that it would be smart or uh, fortuitous to hold on to them, but I bet some people wouldn't be able to resist. I wonder why or how an entity like that would offer such a payment. Maybe maybe it was a test. Maybe it was just hoping to get back there and uh, was testing that person and rewarded him appropriately for being kind, showing a gesture of kindness. Who knows? Or maybe the coins were cursed or maybe they weren't even physical objects. Maybe they just vanished uh, shortly after she vanished. Maybe that's why they didn't find them. Or Maybe the whole story is made up. Who knows? But I I take, when Gabriel tells me a story, I take it very seriously because he is one of the most honest men I know. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to share this story with you finally. He told me, originally told me it a while back. So anyway, my friends, I hope that you're well. I hope you're doing great, having a great week or a, a great weekend or day or night. It's Father's Day when I'm recording this, so happy Father's Day if that applies to you. And I hope that you all have a fantastic rest of your day. Remember to be the best people you can be. And also, don't forget to visit MrXDreams.com. If you have a story to share with me or you want some merch, check it out. It's up and running and I'm very proud of it. So Also, let me know what you think about the, the website if you get a chance to visit. As always, my friends, until next time, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Oh, and by the way, my friends, today's code word is taxi. Leave it in a comment down below so I can see you. Take care. Dear Mr. X, it's me again, Tammy. Not long ago, I sent you a story about a haunting. I can't tell you how good it felt to be able to share my experience with people who wouldn't make me feel like an idiot or a liar. Well, 
I have another story I hope you'll find interesting. These events happened several years after I was haunted by May, the woman in the yellow dress. I may have mentioned this before, but both my parents had a long commute to work. My dad was in the army and managed to get my mom a position at the munitions depot near the post he was stationed at in Nevada. Eventually, they decided to find a sitter for my little brother and I that was much closer to the base. We were the youngest after all, so my parents wanted us not to be so far out of reach. We even went to school in the local area there, thus avoiding the nearly non-existent education system in the small town where we lived. Our babysitter's name was Terry. She had a nice house, but it definitely stood out in her quaint little neighborhood. It was the only real house on the block, and it was obviously very old, built in a sort of colonial style that was popular so many decades ago. Most of the other townsfolk lived in either single or double-wide trailer homes. Even more unusual, Terry's house was painted bubblegum pink. Being no stranger to the paranormal, even at nine years old, my sensitivity had grown since my last encounter. I began seeing shadows of people and hearing voices echoing down empty halls. My mother would instruct me to carry a blessed handkerchief and sing church songs out loud whenever I felt scared or threatened. When we first started being dropped off at Terry's house, everything was normal. We would go to school, do our homework, eat snacks, play outside, kid stuff. My mom would pick us up in the afternoons. After a while though, I started noticing little anomalies happening every now and then. Small things like glasses of juice tipping over, chairs moving on their own, disembodied footsteps and thumping on hallway walls. My brother and I would sometimes even hear a woman crying. The first major event happened during Christmas time. I was given the role of the Virgin Mary in a nativity play for our church. I would also be singing. One morning, I was sitting in the kitchen with Terry and my brother, getting ready to practice one of my songs. It's important to note that this kitchen had a tiled ceiling. The moment I tried to start singing, the windows began to shake violently, briefly shocking me into silence. After a moment or two, I decided to continue since windows were known to shake a bit during windstorms that were common at that time of the year. When I opened my mouth to sing again, suddenly the ceiling tiles all fell down on us at once. Simultaneously, I heard a loud scream. I wasn't sure if it was Terry or my own voice. As the screaming faded away in my ears, I could hear my brother crying. We all sat there in a state of bewilderment for what seemed like minutes before Terry got up and led us out of the kitchen, carefully navigating the floor which was covered in ceramic shards. As soon as we crossed into the next room, I heard a sound that I couldn't describe if I tried. I turned around and saw all the tiles floating back up, replacing themselves exactly as they'd been before they fell. It was like the terrifying event had never even happened. After this, the little things kept on as usual with one exception. The woman's cries began to sound more and more clear, whereas before, it just sounded like muffled sobbing. I was able to gradually make out words. It was like she was begging someone. No. Please. Stop. I'm sorry. 
As time went on, we began to see the woman appearing in the house. The strange thing is that her presence was not in the least bit frightening. Whenever a glass would fall or a window would shake, she would be there standing over us. She radiated this warm, comforting energy. She had shoulder-length blonde hair. She was skinny with green eyes, appearing to be in her thirties. The sad thing was that sometimes she would appear to be beaten up. Her eyes swollen shut, lips split wide open, the side of her head sunken in and slumped over to one side. When she appeared to us, sometimes we would also see a man. He was an imposing figure, perhaps in his late thirties or early forties. He had pale white skin, with light brown hair and dark eyes filled with rage. His face seemed permanently trapped in a scowl, and the purest kind of malice emanated from him whenever he was there. I got the sense that he would have no qualms with hurting or even killing my brother and I if he had the chance, though I didn't know why. The weather in our part of the state was extreme at times. Bad storms were known to crop up out of nowhere and were often extremely dangerous. One day while I was at school, a storm hit that had the whole region scrambling to evacuate. The evacuation window was so narrow that I missed my bus due to my being in the bathroom when the announcement was made. My parents decided to have me stay with Terry until my dad could get away from his duties, preparing the military base to weather the storm. My little brother was already with my mom, and they were on their way home, so I would be going to Terry's house alone for the first time. That made me a bit anxious because I had a bad feeling. The storm raged on until nighttime as I waited for my dad to come pick me up. At some point, I snuggled into the couch to relax. Terry was in another room. Now, this is the part where things got a bit fuzzy. I'm not sure whether the following took place in my dreams, or if I was in some kind of trance. All I know is that I don't remember falling asleep. This all just started happening. In the house around me, I began to see visions of a man and woman looking very happy. I could see that it was the same couple that appeared to us in the house. I'd never seen them looking so pleasant and full of life. The bright, loving pair carried boxes and furniture, setting them throughout the house as they seemed to enjoy a silent conversation between themselves. I couldn't hear or make out what they were saying. Before long though, Things took a turn toward a dark path that my childlike mind was not exactly prepared for. I began to see the man drinking from glass bottles and hitting the woman repeatedly. Time appeared to move on at an accelerated rate as the hitting and drinking continued over and over again. The woman stayed and stayed through it all. Even though she was clearly suffering, her injuries multiplied. I began to notice something odd. When the man moved, a liquid-like substance flew from his body, splattering and soaking into the walls like blood. It was as if the anger and hatred of his actions were taking a physical form and infusing into the very structure of the home whenever he raised his hand to strike his wife. At one point, he began beating her more fiercely than ever. Again, she begged him to stop. He didn't, or couldn't stop until she had died. Her waif-like frame crumpled to the ground in front of me. Realizing what he had done, the man wept over her for a moment, but somehow his sadness transformed back into anger, and he began kicking and stomping her skinny, 
broken body. For what felt like several more days, he continued to drink and wander around the house. The concentrated wrath oozed and dripped from his body, seeping into the floorboards and every surface he came into contact with. Eventually, he picked up her body and carried her into the master bedroom. He laid her on the bed before lying down next to her, and then he shot himself in the head. That gunshot was the first noise I had heard since the vision began. It snapped me out of it instantly. As I awoke, my dad was carrying me out to his car. My mind was preoccupied with this feeling that the man wanted to trap his wife, that he would do anything to make sure he wouldn't lose her. To tell you the truth, I didn't even completely comprehend what I had seen at the time. It's just my clear memory of the vision that makes me able to process it now with my adult mind. Weeks went by before I told my mom what had happened, what I had seen that day. After the incident with the lady in the yellow dress, she had no problem believing me. She got us a new sitter not long after that. I never went back to the pink house, nor have I seen Terry since that time. She always used to say that nothing strange happened in the house except when my brother and I were there. Anyway, thanks again for listening as always, Mr. X. Sincerely, Tammy. Greetings, friends. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed tonight's offering. I tell you what, I feel so bad for Tammy. No child should have to endure such an anomalous existence. If you haven't seen it already, I a few weeks ago I posted my retelling of another story from Tammy's youth. That of the woman in the yellow dress, which was mentioned a few times during this story, incidentally. You can check that story out for some background information on Tammy and her history with the paranormal. There's even a dogman in there, believe it or not. If I remember, I'll put the link in the description box below. Now, let's say a few words about her story. First of all, the most down-to-earth portion of this that I could talk about is staying in an abusive relationship. No matter what the situation is that you're in, if it's abusive, it's, if it's turning physically violent, you need to be extremely careful. My recommendation is always to put some distance between you and the person that's attempting to abuse you, because no matter what you might think, if that person is deciding to physically harm you on any type of regular basis, especially, you might want to believe that they care for you. You might want to believe that they are someone you wish them to be, but in 95% of all circumstances, that's probably somebody that you should leave behind and move on from. Too many people die or get seriously hurt by abusers. Don't add yourself to that equation. Don't become one of those statistics. And believe it or not, there's so many people that, for example, will call the police because their spouse is beating them. But when the police come to take the person away, they're defending their spouse. They're switching back to that place, wherever that was, where they, they need that person and they, they believe that person doesn't mean it. But I'm here to tell you, there may be other ways to help that person, but you staying in that abusive relationship and getting hurt over and over again, that's not going to help anybody. So about the story, I thought it was so odd that the man was so desperate to keep his wife 
And that's the energy that was emanating from him that was that Tammy picked up on. That he had this insane desire to keep his wife by his side. But that kind of goes despite the fact that no matter what he did to her, no matter how hard he beat her, and it's terrible to think about, he, he beat her physically to death. Yet she still stayed. And he beat her thinking in his mind that he had to keep her there and make her stay. She obviously wasn't going anywhere despite the severe beatings that ended up taking her life. It's really strange to, to think about that. What would be what would be possessing him to have such a deranged outlook on his relationship with his wife? Or who I assume, or maybe or maybe not, maybe it was his wife or maybe not, who knows. But the woman that he was with, and they were clearly happy together at some point. For him to go from being happily with this person to where there is basically psionic, concentrated, liquid hatred flowing off of his body and soaking into the house, leaving these, what I like to think of as energy that's just residual there, that even a child like Tammy can see and experience after the fact, long after this time frame. It's just crazy that someone can go from being happy to being that full of rage. It leads me to believe that perhaps this man had some severe mental problems, some severe mental health issues that uh, were clearly not taken care of appropriately. You may have noticed the uh, beautifully performed emotional female vocals to go along with this intriguing story. I was originally going to have my good friend Nix, also known as Penny Dreadful Moment, over for those uh, lines, but unfortunately she'd fallen ill, so I had to enlist the uh, assistance of a dear friend of mine who happened to be available. She's not on YouTube or anything yet, so all you need to know is that she's one of my oldest and best friends. So anyway, my friends, it's good to be back in the studio every so often. I know I'm still only releasing videos once every couple of weeks, but um, I'll talk about that a little bit more later as far as the whole YouTube drama with the advertisements and all that stuff. Believe it or not, being a small channel, it doesn't really affect me very much, so I'm actually kind of glad that I'm not relying on income from YouTube, because honestly, it's you've got to be pretty big to make any significant drop in the bucket. So, it's basically not my problem at this point, and I still get to have fun and talk to you guys every so often when I, when I have the chance, to, when I can pull away from my normal schedule and do a video. It's very... Very nice to know that I can do that at my leisure. And a bunch of you guys enjoy that, so I appreciate it. Thanks for your loyalty, and I trust that you're out there every day in the world, being the best human being you can be. Being, I really need to find a nickname for you guys. I think I'll have that be the special after-story theme for today. Give me a, give me a good name. For me to call you guys my followers as a whole my subscribers they're always going to be the ride or dies that's a separate qualification that's a separate uh, classification for my followers and my listeners but I'd like to have a good team building blanket term that I can refer to you guys as I think that would be cool I've always wanted one but for some weird reason I can't think of one on my own 
So I'm going to I'm going to pass the buck to you guys. Whoever comes up with something real good, there'll be a reward. Not sure what just yet, but there will be something cool. And by that I mean whoever comes up with the name that I actually end up using and and loving and that being the real thing, the real deal as far as what we call ourselves or what I call my beloved listeners. So, give it your best shot in the comments section below. And if it's something really good, something super top secret, you don't want anybody else to know or steal your idea, feel free to email me and I'll check it out. I'll make sure to respond to you. Alright, well, anyway. I hope this message finds you well, my friends. I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Hello again, my dreamers. Mr. X Dreams here. I wanted to thank you for listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said before, make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. Don't forget, if you can, please leave a 5-star rating and review. It'd be very much appreciated, and it certainly helps out. If you feel I deserve it, that is. Also, if you have a scary story of your own to share, reach out to me at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. You might even hear it on a future episode of the show. Once again, thanks for listening, my friend. I hope you're well. Enjoy your day, night, weekend, or whatever's coming next. I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Until next time, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams.